We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, coming to you live on a Sunday afternoon after the Chargers lost to the Denver Broncos. Uh, joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. The year is coming to an end, and I am happy that it's over in terms of, well, we got one more game. But in terms of Chargers football, it's coming to a close, and I'm happy to turn the page on the year. Look forward to, personally, a year that's going to be just like nothing's going to happen. No big thing is going to happen. I don't think, um, which seems nice. Steven, how are you? You say that now, you know, things can always change, but um, yeah, man, at this time, normally I'm, you know, lethargic about the idea of football season coming to an end. Um, this season, I just, I'm ready for the off season on uh, both sides <laughs> from my, above my fandom. It was a rough year for Utah football, rough year for the chargers. Um, I'm, I'm more excited to talk about the off season and everything that's going to come with that, uh, over the next few weeks than actually talking about games. So we'll have some thoughts about today's game, um, overall, but like Tyler said, obviously the year is coming to an end. Hopefully everybody out there stays safe tonight and has a great time celebrating the new year. Um, 2023 was a bit up and down, but overall, you know, as a podcast, we hit obviously a huge milestone, uh, getting picked up by the actual chargers team, which has been. Uh, despite the the record has been an awesome experience working with Tyler and, as well as the rest of the Chargers team. So we know it's been a bit of a an adjustment for 
you know, you guys to support the shows in a different way. And we appreciate all that great support. Um, we wouldn't be able to have gotten that deal with the Chargers without you guys supporting the show. So we're very grateful and appreciative of uh, all the great and positive interactions we have on a weekly basis with you guys. Um, you know, certainly despite all of the uh, losing and the injuries and things like that, we still have a great time, be it in here in the chat or, uh, you know, in the YouTube comments or in the Discord. Um, so really appreciative of you guys and can't thank Tyler, Alex Insdorf, Alex Katzen and Arjun enough for uh, all their hard work for this year in 2023 to take the new take the podcast to new heights as we have kind of done every single year. We've just been on a, on a steady incline, which has been awesome. Certainly exceeded any expectations Tyler and I had when we first started this thing four years ago. And it's been an awesome ride and excited to see what 2024 has in store for the podcast. Yeah, thank you everyone listening, watching, et cetera, for this. And thank you just for the the seasons in general. We haven't exactly covered the most exciting seasons. Um, like, one day, one day we'll get an exciting one season. One day we will. <laughs> Missed the 2018 season, which is the really last good season. Um, then otherwise it's been, you know, what it's been the last few years. But I appreciate you guys always being in here and just being funny or cracking a joke and sometimes i can't respond to those jokes because they're super mean and offensive but sometimes i laugh because yeah. you guys are still pretty funny about it um so yeah it's it's been nice and it's been great doing everything that we've done this year uh whether we've got one more episode or a hundred more episodes um with the charges or a thousand more episodes who knows but um it was it was awesome regardless yeah 100 percent. so uh very appreciative of you guys hopefully you have a have had a great 2023 hopefully you have a great 2024 as well and uh, continue some momentum in your own life uh, uh, in in whatever regard you are looking to make some progress in. So um, should be a lot of fun um, talking about the offseason. We'll get to that in a couple weeks here. But um, the Chargers obviously coming up short at the hands of the Denver Broncos. There was surprisingly a lot of like negativity about the way the team played today. Um, not in the sense of like, I'm not trying to defend the way that they played or say that they played well, but I kind of thought that after losing your best three receivers, your top two centers, your starting left guard, your starting quarterback, obviously, that expectations would be kind of lower for the offense. And still, everybody was very upset about the way that Easton Stick and the offense played today, Tyler. So let's start there. What did you make of the way that the offense performed against the Denver Broncos this afternoon? Uh, objectively, it was not that great. I mean, it, I think the run game was better than last time i think maybe with austin eckler and then he ended up fumbling it but otherwise it wasn't a good offensive output no. again what did i expect i don't know I, I didn't expect 14 points um so i guess they underperformed or they performed about as expected um it wasn't a good performance but i didn't expect much either so like i'm not angry or upset that, that it was a poor performance I, I think just what i really wanted to see more than anything else was not Alex Erickson having more receiving yards in one game than any game that Quentin Johnson has had this season. Um, I get that Quentin Johnson in this game was shadowed by Patrick Sertan and Erickson was not, but that's just kind of the year. And I, I think there were this, this game, even with the guys that were missing, the guys that were in presented so many of the issues that we've seen throughout this year. It's Eckler fumbling. It's missed tackles in the secondary. It's a good defensive pass interference penalty. It's Quentin Johnston not having a great game and being kind of a disappointment. Like, so maybe that's what everybody's a bit, you know, up in arms about because sure. I didn't expect much. We still got some of the same uh, things that have stung us throughout this season. But no, I, I didn't 
I didn't expect this team to go out and, and put up 20 in Denver and come out with a win. Yeah, I think the expectations, you know, with this kind of receiver group and and people are, are, are you pointed out, obviously, rightfully a little annoyed at the Quentin Johnson usage, um, you know, kind of peppering him with targets at the very end is like, you could have been doing that the whole game. Um, you know, just uh, some frustration in, in that regard, you know, Keelan Doss getting seven targets of like four yards or less was, was a tad frustrating too. Um, but I, I did not expect this offense to come in and, and play super well. I was maybe a little disappointed that the overall enthusiasm did not, you know, translate from last week to this week, but I'm not surprised that the offense, you know, didn't perform super well. I thought stick, took a bit of a step back from last week. I thought last week he objectively played pretty well this week. It was, it was kind of a mess from an accuracy standpoint. Um, I guess the, the positive for me would be the way that the offensive line protected and the, the protection plan was significantly better than the first time the, the chargers played the Broncos. And so that, that I guess could be a positive. I thought Jordan McFadden in his first start looked like he was a, a capable player, which is what you want to see from a young player in, in that moment. Um, had a couple Rashawn Slater holding penalties, which I don't know if I'll really agree with those, but it is what it is. I thought the offensive line played better today. I thought, you know, you see some good things from Alex Erickson. I, I'm not going to like hold the offense like to a level that I expect them to, you know, come in here and, and you know, light up the Denver Broncos. That's just not the, the reality of the situation, given their receivers, quarterback, offensive line injuries, the running back regression. Um, still a little disappointed at just some like minor execution things. And, and ideally for a guy like Easton stick, you want to see him put together some more positive games to end the season. And, and it seems like he took a bit of a step back today. Yeah. I, also just looking at the off season, looking at this game, I'm just starting to feel more and more concerned about this offense or the whole team in general yeah. and where the direction of the team can go because no single pick the chargers make in the first round and really their first three picks in the first three rounds are not going to turn this team around even no. if they're great players it's, it's going to take a lot of players to turn this team around not that they all need to be all pros but you know what what is the future of this offense who is the coordinator technically we're not 100 sure what's the staff who's the head coach who's calling plays who's the backup who's potentially the other backup who's the center Who's the backup center? Who's RB1? Who's RB2? Who's RB3? Is there a fullback? Yeah. Who's tight end one? Tight end two is currently a healthy scratch. Tight end three was at the beginning of the year was cut. Four is out. I mean, or is stone smart? Like there's, it's really bleak right now. And I started to do just a, a breakdown of the roster and how many spots is a charges are going to need to fill. And it's, it's not great. And your wide receivers one, two, and three, in theory, those spots are filled. Yeah, assuming Mike Williams is cut, but Keenan Allen's hurt, Josh Palmer's hurt and has been hurt, and Quentin Johnson has been what he's currently been. Uh, it's rough. So I, I'm just, I'm entering next season a bit in the doldrums. That's for sure. Yeah, I think you know the broadcast was a mess for several reasons. Uh, this is obviously being CBS's you know worst crew, yeah. um, but Kyle it was Leal. Khalil. Khalil Mac, every K A H apostrophe Leal. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. Um, they called Gerald Everett Jared Everett several times. Uh, they were convinced that the Broncos playoff chances were like still very much alive if they won today. <laughs> like they talked about the Broncos playoff chances like 37 times. I'm like, okay, talk about something else. But 
anyways, you know, at the end of the game, they're saying like, oh, like whoever the GM and the coach are, they're going to come in and inherit this like top tier roster or whatever the exact comment was. And it's like, what what are you watching right now that makes you think that this is a top tier roster? And I think, you know, that's one of the bigger issues that I have with like the these constant comments of like, oh, you should hire so-and-so from the defensive side of the ball because they'll come in and fix this defense. The defense is going to be blown to hell in the offseason. Like, this defense is not going to look the same at all. So it's uh, it's setting up for, you know, a- an offseason that people, I think, should really temper expectations, which for the Chargers is going to be a very new thing. Um, but the offseason is about finding, you know, more building block players because right now I think you you – do not have enough of those to go around. I think you obviously have, you know, Herbert and Slater, who I still believe very much in. We'll see what the numbers are like today. I didn't feel like he got beat at all today outside of the two penalties. Um, but you still have a franchise quarterback, a franchise left tackle, you know, maybe one of these offensive linemen that are are on the younger side can can really cement themselves next year. Yeah. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I have full confidence that both of them are, but you know, one of them potentially maybe um, Keenan, I still would count as a, as a building block player. Um, you know, I think the health is obviously a big thing there is age obviously, but you know, he's going to walk into being wide receiver one. And if he stays healthy with Justin Herbert this year, we're talking about a guy who's well over 1400 yards receiving. So there, there's just not a lot. I think you have some solid players, but you don't have a ton of building block players. And that's what the off scene is, is, is going to be about. Like we're going to do a ton of draft content in this, in the off season, as we always do. This is a team that should be doing their absolute best to be trading back and making at least 10 draft picks next year, you know, because they just don't have the guys right now. Um, and, and it's, it's a frustrating time right now, given the state of the roster, given the state of the coaching staff and, and how little player development has happened. I mean, JT Woods today, perhaps like one of the bigger examples is a healthy scratch after being activated from the NFI list. And uh, Michael Peterson from uh, Bolts from the Blue has uh, tweeted out that he's played like 80 snaps across the last two years for the Chargers. It's just stuff like that is is all up and down the Chargers roster. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, a long season potentially. But at the same time, you look at a team like the Arizona Cardinals, you look at what the Houston Texans have done. You know, there's different stages of you know a competitive rebuild that what the Minnesota Vikings have done. You get the right coaching here, and things can turn around very quickly. So, you know that's that's kind of the silver lining right now is is you know coaching can make such a big difference in the NFL. And if the Chargers can make the right hire here in the next couple of weeks, then some of these guys who are maybe you know potentially building block players, maybe they do become, maybe they get become solid players. So. You know, that's that's the thing right now is just kind of hoping that this team gets the coaching hire right and some of these players can turn their careers around. Yeah, and just alignment from whoever's making decisions on the draft picks to whoever the co- head the coaches, maybe potentially the same person, and we can get into that. But it just feels, and really for the 11 years now, that there's no real, okay, I'm going to take this player and it's going to work for you in this specific way because you've this is what you'd like to do, this is what you'd like to use them for. And it's going to work out. They hit the ground running. You talk about these teams that make turnarounds like the Texans from day one. It's like, okay, Stroud does this. Dell does this. We've got Collins doing this. You know, Collins took some a bit to develop, but like they instantly hit the ground running with, with the Chargers. It's always been with Mike Williams, with Melvin Gordon, now with Quentin Johnston. You know, these guys have like a thousand combined yards in their rookie seasons. 
for first round picks. You know, Joe Reed could never figure it out. Isaiah Spiller could not get on the field. Keenan Allen was probably going to be good no matter what, but he made on the field because of injury initially. You know, it just feels like the Chargers have not been able to align their pick from the GM with what the coordinator wants to do immediately. Yeah. And I don't know if they just feel that first round picks are, are long game picks. So you get a you get a whole year to adjust to the NFL, but like that's not how it should work. Um, no. Not that they need to be perfect immediately, but you should hope for a first round pick to have like CD Lamb's potential or a trajectory where it's first round pick and he's good. Then he's pretty good. Then he's really good. And then he's just great. Like, and that, that nice ascension, but he started, you know, with a very, very solid floor as a good player. Whereas the Chargers are just such a hard time getting these first rounders in particular to, to get going early. And then inevitably we're all disappointed by all three of them. Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't think, you know, when it, people were healthy, I don't think that Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, would have been having drastically different rookie seasons. Um, but you know that you would be able to count on those guys right now. And right now you just cannot count on Quentin Johnson to make consistent football plays. Maybe he gets there. Maybe he is. Maybe he just needs a full off season in the NFL and, and, and training and, and reps with Herbert and a, and a better offense. I don't know. Like, sure. It's still possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bury the player, but at the same time, this is a draft that has two, very high end wide receiver prospects. And if the chargers are sitting there at pick number six and Malik neighbors is there, I'm not, not drafting Malik neighbors because of Quentin Johnston. Like that's, you know, Quentin's potential development is not prohibiting me from drafting Malik neighbors. Like it's, that's just kind of where things are at. And um, if that's the case, you know, maybe, you know, that's, that's kind of the result here. Maybe this is a Jalen Rager situation as, as unfortunate as that would be. But um the thing with Quentin to me that's been most frustrating has always been the usage because like you'll see glimpses of it here and there. I mean, they they threw him five targets on the last two drives and it's like, why are you not doing that the whole game? You know, so it, it's it's a mix of both, I think, of the player development, of the coaching and of the usage of the quarterback play. So it's been frustrating. But then you look at all the players that were drafted behind him. I mean, Dalton Kincaid broke the Bills record for most uh, receptions by a rookie. Sam Laporta is, is uh, I think, like over 800 yards as a rookie. Like, those are all guys that are flourishing in their respective roles. So it, it definitely adds to the frustration. Quentin is going to have to bust his ass in the offseason because he's going to have to make up a lot of area here. And like we're talking about, if he's wide receiver four in camp again, then, you know, we're potentially looking at him not really making a strong impact until 2025 at the earliest, depending on Keenan's health. Yeah, like you said, Quentin Johnson should not prevent you from drafting another receiver in the first round if that receiver is worth the selection, obviously. I do feel Neighbors yeah. is worth that selection at six. Uh, Odunze, not as much. I'm not as high on him as maybe some others who feel like he's Same. very close to those other two. Um, but all, and all the Chargers all just don't really need that kind of play. I think they need more of a Neighbors type um, than Odunze. Yeah. Odunze is a good player, but just not quite the fit for the Chargers right now. Yeah, the, Josh Palmer, I know he's the third round pick, but showed a lot more in his first two years than really his first year of actually playing, which was last year. And Quentin Johnson did this year, and that didn't stop them from taking a wide receiver yeah. with Mike Williams potentially yeah. in their plans. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't not take a player there. Uh, the difference, obviously, being that you could take Brock Bowers, and while it's not a premium position, it's a tight end, not a wide receiver. 
it's a very easy fit. There's no question mark. He's tight end one. You're done. You said it. You go. Great. You've got a tight end one. No questions about it. There's no one suggesting that Parham would compete for tight end one there. All respect to him. Um, you know, draft a receiver. More questions, which we sort of just did. But Neighbors is by far the better prospect. And frankly, his teammate, Brian Thomas Jr., is a better prospect than Quentin Johnston. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched a ton of Brian Thomas, but, um, you know, I, I don't want this to be framed as like we're blaming Quentin Johnson for the issue. No, That's not at not all. What's happening at all here because, you know, the people who mostly share the blame for what the Chargers have experienced this season have already been fired. And, you know, the other one is potentially the offensive coordinator. So mm -hmm. uh, offensive line coach as well. So this this season for me is firmly coaching and roster management. That's why the Chargers are where they are at right now. Um, you know, the lack of player development over the last three years has just been astonishingly bad. And I thought it was bad under Anthony Lynn and it's been significantly worse for, for Brandon Staley's coaching staff. So it's a big thing. And, and my whole point here is that whoever comes in as the head coach, whoever comes in as the GM, you have maybe five, six players on this team who are like solidified in their roles. Every other spot is up for competition. If your name is yeah. not Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, Rashawn Slater, maybe Gerald Everett, if he's back, maybe if he, maybe uh, uh, Khalil, if he's back, Derwin, if you're not one of those guys, your spot is on the line. Like that's, that's my mentality for the off seasons and off seasons that none of these players should have their spots guaranteed next year. And this is a new coaching staff that needs to come in and, and change the culture of, of handing people jobs because of where they were drafted. And that's just not something that, can't continue going forward no and i think that i don't know that this is something that ben johnson like first time head coaches would be against or hesitant to do you know is make those difficult decisions like i don't care how much money or what draft pick or whatever you know i don't know how many of these coaches who do that these days did that from day one but that's just another another reason to go with someone like harbaugh who would just go look i don't i don't really care we're just going to win or we're going to get as close to winning as possible. And if you're not part of that, sorry, you know, the Tomlin's the same way. And what are they at? Nine wins now. Yep. It's just that way. I mean, Mike Tomlin's team drafted a quarterback in the first round last year and actively chose not to play him today because they felt like <laughs> Mason Rudolph gave them a better yeah. chance to win. That's like, a quarterback. That's, yeah. Uh, that's what you have to do, man. This is the NFL. Like this is a, a results-based business. And, uh, you know, you don't have the luxury of being patient all the time. So it's, you know, it is what it is. So um, shifting gears here a little bit, um, I, we do have to obviously give a shout out to two players today who added to their resumes. And that first player being uh, Mr. Khalil Mack, who surpassed a 100 sacks on his career. Um, he is the first player to do that, uh, or excuse me, not the first player to do that. That's a mistake. That's not what I was trying to say. Um, anyways, 16 sacks in the season is his best season in, in quite some time since 2017. Um, was busting his ass out there, regardless of, of the situation here. You know, run, run defense, pass rush. He was the best player on the field, in, in my opinion, today. So have to give a shout out to Khalil. You pointed out something great on Twitter. I'll let you kind of get to that point. But it's been a true joy watching Klimak. It sucks that it's not a more meaningful season, but uh, he's been a joy to watch every single week on film, live on the broadcast. He's just an outstanding player, outstanding pro, 
and you know has has you know moved up the the rankings in terms of favorite Chargers ever just because he's been so impactful on a week to week basis. Tyler, you muted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, Khalil Mack. Yes, first of all, congratulations. Um, no, not the first person to hit 100 sacks. Um, wouldn't be the first person to hit 200 sacks, although there's only one other. Uh, it's interesting that a former Raiders player who's only been for the, with the Chargers for technically less than two seasons now would become one of your favorite Chargers players ever. But yeah. there's just an old school greatness about him on and off the field that you just don't see all the time. And the Chargers don't really have that often and not the greatness is, is frequent on most teams but there's just some throwback guys some great players who you just have to admire them when they're here and i admire and respect everything that kulamak has done this season because it's basically been bad since the jump i mean they started zero and two uh joey got hurt and he was basically it was him and this rookie Thule, you know and chris rumpf was hurt and it was, it was just kulamak on defense it was the front seven really the whole year like the front seven had to be the only thing that was working for the Chargers and really towards the end of the season, just the, the rushers and the defensive linemen. Yeah. Um, so for him to continue to just try and fight and get out there and bust his butt and, and be really good altogether. I mean, hats off to him, major respect to him. You, you cannot let him go next season. You can't cut him. If that's his last season next year. Okay. Maybe I can understand that, but he cannot leave. You can't let him out the door. You can't let him out of the building. If he wants out, I don't blame him, but don't let him out. Like you yeah. got to keep this guy. He he's awesome. And I respect the heck out of him for what he's been able to do. And I really appreciate his work as a charger. Yeah. So this, the stat that I was trying to say earlier, uh, Klimak, this is according to Chris rim, uh, is the 19th player to reach 100 sacks in his first 10 seasons since sacks became official in 1982. So, um, one of the best players ever at his position, um hopefully he's able to continue uh building up his hall of fame resume with the chargers um you know like like tyler said i i'm of the mindset that you keep khalil give him an extension if you need to because i think he has the potential to you know be that culture setter be that tone setter for the next regime and that's such a valuable piece because he is somebody who everybody is going to rally around and we've seen that over the last two years from just, you know, the, the team dinner standpoint and, and his, you know, impact on even like Quentin Johnson, who's on the offensive side of the ball as a rookie, um, you know, his leadership and his ability to set the culture is, is so impactful. And he's, he's performing like a top 10 edge rusher this year. I don't know if he's going to be a pro bowl player. I don't know if he's going to be an all pro player because of the team, um, but he's in the top 10 in every single category among edge rushers and pressure rate and, Pastors productivity and total pressure, sacks, run stops, run stop percentages, run stop grade, pass rush grade, all of it. He's top 10. And uh, it's just been a, a, a true treat to watch this year. It's been somebody that I, I love turning on the tape and watching every single week. Um, his teammates love him. His coaching staff loves him. So I, I don't know what the future holds. Um, Riley pointed out he could certainly ask for a trade. And, and I would not begrudge him from doing that because he's at the stage where he just wants to win. But uh, if I'm the incoming GM, I'm doing everything I can to keep Kulimak around. Yeah, I, I think I think he'll stay around. I think he'll stay around. Um, unrelated but related, and not really this particular point, but Paul mentions trade Bosa, James, and Williams. I don't know if that's going to happen, but what did you make of Derwin James in particular today? That He's been the discussion point 
a lot of fans around, well, let's trade him. The numbers haven't been great. The film hasn't been great. What you see on the broadcast hasn't been great. Do you feel that's at all possible? Have you looked into his contract in particular? Is there even an option for trading him? So from an on-field standpoint, I thought he played great today. I, I feel like we felt his presence today at a high at a high level. You know, he was very physical today, almost had an interception. Um, I, I felt like it was the usual Derwin James that we're accustomed to seeing today. I think last week he played better. I think the thing about Derwin James is that, as we've said a couple of times, Brandon Staley had this insane vision for for Derwin James um and, and playing him in six different positions and you know using him as an edge rusher at times and using him as a linebacker at times free safety strong safety slot corner like all this stuff and I think eventually that just took its toll on him and I think there was a real like lack of confidence because of that specifically this year um the penalties and the way that he was kind of targeted earlier in the season by the referees I think played an impact I'm I'm of the belief that you can still get high-end play out of Derwin James going forward with a better plan for Derwin James. Um, that being said, he is one of probably their more valuable trade assets. I think if you're the GM coming in with like, hey, like you can take on as much dead money as you want. Like this is completely like your vision. And that GM could come in and, and try and trade Derwin James. Like I think that is a potential possibility. Um, but I'm kind of of the belief that Derwin still has a couple seasons of of high end play left in him. Um, I know that's not super common, but to me, I think just the the overload that Brandon Staley's scheme put on him was was overall a negative. And I think in a different scheme, um, one that is allowing him to be around the box more often, I think he can kind of rebound going forward. So that's that's mm-hmm. my thought process. Trading him this offseason is difficult. Um, next off season in 2025, it would be a, a bit easier to to trade and and get off of his contract. What'd you make of the broadcast comment that Derwin James says in the next head coach he's looking for someone who moves the needle in the locker room and in the fan base because Same. the locker the, <laughs> yeah well me too um, the the locker room comment I think was interesting because I mean yeah. St- Staley and Derwin when they first met it was like best friends and they'll yeah. unlock this and all that and I think it was. It really felt like the honeymoon stage of a relationship. And then a few years in, you know, for that to now be the comment for Durbin to say, yeah, we need someone in the locker room who can move the needle for us. I don't know. I think it's a bit different. Yeah. I think from Durbin's perspective, right? Like this guy comes in and says, we're, you know, we're looking at Derwin as our defensive Justin Herbert. And, you know, I forget the exact verbiage, but in the off season in, in 2020, uh, this past off or two, two off seasons ago, Brandon Staley came out publicly and said, like, our goal on defense was to arm Derwin James with more pieces around him and be able to feature him in this, you know, crazy role that will just showcase his talents. And if you're Derwin, you're like, hell yeah, sign me up. Like, of course, I'm going to love like hearing that I'm going to be the centerpiece of the defense. Of course, I'm going to love that you think so highly of me that I'm going to call plays like all this stuff. Like Brandon Staley definitely sold Derwin on on, you know, this vision of of taking his career to new heights and, and doing all these things in a positive way for him. So I can understand why Derwin was, you know, very loyal publicly to Brandon Staley because of everything that was promised to him. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that as you get through a relationship more often, you kind of focus in more on what they do with everybody else and how they treat everybody else. And 
you know, as Chris Rim pointed out, there was there was definitely a, an aspect of favoritism, and you know, and that's unfortunately one of the biggest reasons why Brandon Staley is is unemployed right now. Um, so I, I think that is something that come that Derwin and all these guys have have realized is that everybody needs to be bought in, not just like the star players, which was seems like that was the case under Brandon Staley. Yeah, definitely. Uh, time to talk about Harbaugh. Uh, yes, we are going to talk about Jim Harbaugh. I do want to give a shout out to Cameron Dicker. We gave a lot of praise to him mm. uh, on the Chargers channel. Um, he hit two 50-yard field goals today. Um, should have had a third one, but it was blocked um, uh, by Mr. Zach Allen. So um, Cameron Dicker, I, I think <laughs> the last drive is kind of the embodiment of, of who Cameron Dicker has become for the Chargers, where Giff Smith is, is actively going to take a 52-yard field goal attempt instead of trying to go score a touchdown with a minute and 12 seconds left. Um, just a ton of trust in Cameron Dicker and where he's at in his career. Um, like I mentioned, there's not many building block players, and it feels strange to call a kicker a building block. Um, but Cameron Dicker is one of the best kickers in the league. We see these guys on a week-to-week basis missing kicks. We saw Mason Crosby leave a 53-yard field goal like 10 yards short today. Granted, he's very old and once was the same kind of kicker, but um it's just a a treat to watch like he walked out there for the 50 yard field goal no no uh no thought in my mind that he was going to miss it same with the 52 yard field goal that was blocked same with the other 52 yard field goal like it's just complete trust and confidence in Cameron Dicker right now so I know we talked about him on on our show on the Chargers channel he went out today and added to his you know personal record of of most 50 yard field goals in a Charger season so I have to give a shout out to him today yeah I mentioned on Twitter Kalimak is number one, but if you had to make a list of top 10 charges of 2023, I think Cameron Dicker is number two. And it would be Keenan Allen, or it would be Justin Herbert, I think, had they played the entire season, but they haven't. And yeah. so therefore, to me, you can put those guys at three and four if you'd like. I think Cameron Dicker belongs at number two. You guys let me know in the chat if you agree or disagree. But, well... You are, could argue he's number one because no one has specifically done their job yeah. as well as Cameron Dicker has done this entire season. Um, but I, I can't discredit what Mac is doing out there at all respect to Cameron Dicker, a much more important and pivotal position. <laughs> um, certainly more snaps too, I, I would say. But yeah. still, I think Cameron Dicker, yeah, I think as, as Lynn points out, uh, Tudley should round out that top five. Yeah, so I'd say Mac, Dicker, something Keenan and Herbert, probably Keenan third, I think, considering he was... He was playing at a level level compared to his peers that was higher than Herbert. Um, then, yeah, Tuli at five. I think that'd be fair. I tried making a top 10 earlier yesterday, and I stopped at like eight because like, I could not, <laughs> in good conscience, like find a way to actually put these guys in the yeah. top 10. It just didn't, it didn't feel right. It was weird. Yeah, no, last year there was like a much more difficult conversation to be had about guys in like the seven to 12 range this year. It's just kind of like, I, like, I don't know. Like I think having Cameron Dicker at two is for me, probably a bit of a stretch given that Keenan was on pace for like 1500 yards, but I totally get it. Certainly top five. Um, one of the best kickers in the league. Like I mentioned, it's just such a, a calming presence to have out there. And, you know, you look at what's happening in Cleveland with uh, Dustin Hopkins and thinking like, where things could have been had they traded Cameron Dicker and like kept Dustin Hopkins. Like Dustin Hopkins has been great for the Browns, but just to have Dicker around for the long haul is going to be, it's going to be really fun to, to see his development. Um, team loves him and he's a great personality. Mm-hmm. I'm not on TikTok, but uh, my sister-in-law is on TikTok and she says that 
every single TikTok features Cameron Dicker. So I think uh, I think he's pretty popular in the locker room as well. Yeah, our YouTube clip out for the Chargers was Cameron Dicker. Chargers <laughs> weekly clip out was Cameron uh-huh. Dicker. Um, obviously, he's had the infomercial stuff and, and all that. So yeah. I get it. Yeah, he he's a. There's not a lot of positive going on this season, but thankfully, he's very good and very personable. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, a couple uh, super chats here to get to. Um, Jesse Aguilar uh, said McFadden played very very well. So did Henley in his minor role. Was really hoping he got there more. The Dan Henley thing was was frustrating for me. Um, he comes in for one drive for Nick Neiman, and he has four tackles. Two of them were like truly like impact plays, and then that's it. That was all he played for the rest of the game. So that part was frustrating. I do agree. I thought uh, Jordan McFadden played well. Um, curious to see the film there. I do feel like Brendan Hymas was a bit more keen on helping McFadden out than helping Jamari out in this one. Um, but based off the broadcast, I feel like McFadden was, was solid in his first start. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. I wasn't watching McFadden, you know, get beaten for a sack or watching him and trip <laughs> him and Trey Pipkins, like mess up an assignment and give up a hit or something. So yeah. it seemed good. Uh, you know, Broncos weren't exactly at full strength on defense, but uh, overall the operation looked a lot cleaner than it did in terms of pass protection. They did against the Broncos where every three plays was a nasty hit yeah for sure um miss andrea shun she sent a super chance at happy new year appreciate the shun happy family new year. uh happy new year to all of you guys hope you have a great time tonight uh next one make the transition said he proposed to his girlfriend and she said yes uh now his fiance and he says that was definitely an omen we get in jim harbaugh uh, first of all, congratulations, Mr. Make the Transition. Always in here as, as much as he can be. Um, hopefully you and your uh, fiance have a wonderful, long-lasting marriage. That's awesome, man. Uh, I've been married for a whopping five and a half months now, and it's been great. Go Going strong. Uh, so, yeah, have at it. The, the wedding is awesome. It's a lot to plan. You're sort of happy you're done planning it once it's over. But make sure you take the time to you know spend time with your wife and enjoy the day because it's the best day of your life, and it goes like that. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, all right, before we get to our Jim Harbaugh content that we wanted to discuss, I have to tell you guys about prize picks. Uh, as you guys know, we've been working with prize picks throughout the whole season. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's a great, easy to use daily fantasy football app. All you have to do is pick the players and choose more or less. They have great promos every single week, whether that's a combination of NBA and NFL, college football and NFL, whatever floats your boat. They have Taco Tuesday, things like that. Um, It's a a great site to use, easy way to make some extra money, have some skin in the game. Um, It is not technically gambling, so it is usable in California as well, which I know is a big thing for most of our listeners. Um, You can get a deposit match up to $100 uh, if you use the link prizepicks.com slash guilty. Use the code guilty for that deposit match. Uh, like I said, super easy to use. A lot of fun. Hopefully you guys have been using it and taking advantage um, because it's uh, it's a great way to get that extra skin in the game. It's fun. It makes it more fun. Whether you succeed or you do not succeed, it, it makes it a lot more fun to have that going while the games are playing. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 100%. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh here for a little bit. Uh, apparently, we do not spend enough time talking about our number one coaching candidate. So we're going to talk about our number one coaching candidate for a bit here. Um, after that, we'll take some questions. But um, a big piece of news regarding Jim Harbaugh's future came out that he has hired, uh, once again, his former agent, uh, who's also the agent of Tom Brady, Sean Payton, and some others. Uh, Don, is it Donnie, right? I think Donnie, technically, or I could be wrong. I'm you sorry. know what? I, we were so prepared for this, clearly. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, You're waiting for me head. to look it up now. Is that yeah. what the silence is? Okay, yeah. great. It, nope. See, I, I Google it and it says Donnie Yen, so it's not that. I know it's not Donnie Yen, first of all. Chill. Uh, Don Yi. Don Yi. I was right. Okay. You're right. Now, just shut up. All right. So, yeah, he has uh, brought back his former agent, Don Yi. Um, a lot of people are saying this is a big step in Jim Harbaugh potentially making a jump back to the NFL. Uh, lots of Michigan people pointing out that Don Yi has been working with Jim Harbaugh for weeks now. Uh, and working on the Michigan extension. So, um, Tyler, there was a lot of smoke this week about Jim Harbaugh's future. Um, you know, a lot of college people think that Jim Harbaugh is leaving. A lot of NFL people think that he's staying. Where are you kind of at with Jim Harbaugh and his future at this point in time? Yeah, some things were smoke and some were dusty farts. I feel like some things were actually like, oh, okay, that could be something. And some other things were like, nah, we just, yeah, that can stay over there. I wasn't thrilled with some of the stuff that was coming out i still think if if even if it's 51 49 i think he's still leaning towards going and staying with michigan i don't think that this particular you know hire of the agent indicates well, here we go to the nfl you know if, if you what well, like you said if he if if ye was already working with him on the michigan extension and trying to make sure that was worked out then like not worked out but like 
if there was a going to be one, here's what it looks like. Then that doesn't indicate that he's jumping to the NFL. Um, and technically, it could still be the Raiders or I don't think it's the Panthers now. That's for sure. I don't think it ever was. <laughs> but I think when your owner is throwing beers at fans, I don't know if that's the one you want to go oh my to. Gosh. That's just me. But that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, I, I he's my number one hood coaching candidate. I say it all the father fucking time, and it seems to go over some heads. Um, but I, I, I still think he's returning to Michigan. I, I, I see the rumors. You hear the rumors. Everybody's articles, and everybody knows somebody. This person at a funeral. This janitor. That person on the on the Supreme Scream at Knott's Berry Farm. You know, this person shopping for poinsettias at a, a pavilions. You know, everyone's got something. I, I just think that like he's staying at Michigan and I'll believe it when I see it because, you know, we did this with Tom Brady coming to the Chargers, and we did this with Sean Payton to the chargers. And we did this when the Chargers were going to trade rivers for um, Marcus Mariota or the pick to get Marcus Mariota. Like there's always this thing in the off season and that it never materializes. So this could certainly be the first thing, but as a fan who's, who's been here for a few years now, I'll wait. And if it's, if it happens, great. If not, we got other options. In fact, we talked about those options. Like, looked at other videos. Yeah, we did talk about those other options. And apparently, that makes us terrible fans. We're talking about non Jim Harbaugh options. Um, it is what it is. But I, I think for me, like, over the, this past weekend, there was all this stuff coming out about, like, you know, Harbaugh was super frustrated with the NCAA and, like, all of these things that were potentially coming down. And I was like, okay, like, I can see how people might think that he would leave to try and avoid the NCAA punishments. And then Pete Thamel went on uh, College Game Day and said that for the first infraction that was a recruiting infraction during COVID, the punishment is probably only going to be like half a game or maybe a one full game tops. And then this sign stealing stuff is also maybe like a game and a half or maybe two games tops. Like you're talking about a three game suspension and people are are talking about it as like it's going to be a full season and like tons of infractions and like scholarships taken away and like all this stuff and that just doesn't feel like that's the case like it, it feels like the ncaa is going to take action against him but it's not going to be like this record setting you know suspension and we're going to suspend him for the whole season or like kick him out of the ncaa entirely as the way that it's being framed so i, I feel like there's enough credible people that have come on the record that have said that they think Harbaugh is leaving for me to maybe increase how much I feel like there is a chance of the Chargers landing him. But at the same time, this is Jim Harbaugh we're talking about. We have to understand like who we're talking about. Um, he almost took the Minnesota Vikings job in 2021. He almost took the Broncos job last year. He's almost left Michigan like seven times. He almost left the 49ers before he got fired. Like this is a guy who is constantly going to try and evaluate his options. And if he feels like the chargers is his best option, he'll take it. If he feels like it's the Raiders, he'll take it. If he feels like it's the Raiders or if it feels like it's staying in Michigan, he'll stay there, but he's going to talk to everybody to try and drum up his value because this is what Jim Harbaugh has done for his entire career as a football coach. So I think there is a greater chance of the Chargers landing him than how I felt like a month ago. But I'm still like, until he signs with the Chargers, I'm not going to predict that it's going to happen because Harbaugh does this every single year where he flirts and flirts and flirts and then just stays in Michigan. 
I truly believe that the Chargers are interested in Jim Harbaugh. If they're not, I'm switching fan bases because, like, <laughs> how, I don't know how you're not interested in Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, and I'm not. I, I I would believe that Jim Harbaugh is interested in the Chargers and the Bears and maybe some other options. I'm I'm sure he's interested in Michigan. You know, I believe the reports that the Chargers probably reached out that the Chargers are interested. 100%. That Jim Harbaugh had his agent, you know, an agent's deal isn't to just go, okay, we're only going to do Michigan and that's it. And it's right. Let's get as much money as possible yes. out of this for you and for me. So I'm sure that the agent reached out to both parties and I'm sure Jim Harbaugh said, yeah, go ahead and reach out to all these different teams and Michigan and whatever. Um, so I believe all of those reports. I, I totally believe it because the goal here is to make money and as much money as possible and find the right place. So yeah. go do those things, you know. You typically don't apply to one job. You go to different jobs and you try to leverage some things. That's just life. Um, this one just happens to be for hundreds of millions of dollars, which I don't get to do. But hey, you know, um, yeah, I, I I will wait to see it. If it happens, awesome. If not, we've got other people to pivot to. I know we talk about Ben Johnson a lot. Your other option is Dan Quinn or Bobby Slowick or or the enemy or what like I, we're gonna talk about ben johnson and sorry he didn't win against the cowboys because they missed the call um i don't know rant for another time but i see everyone yeah. on social media with the whole ben johnson stuff i don't know which offensive option you want me to talk about after jim harbaugh yeah no ben johnson is the only offensive option that's why we talk about him so much um mike mcdonald doing some great things in baltimore but if you don't like Ben Johnson, you're not going to like Mike McDonald because he's a first year head coaching candidate who coaches defense. So, you know, it is what it is. The, the pool this year is very, very limited. Um, the good news is that the Chargers have a franchise quarterback. They have an owner who seems to be willing to spend right now. Um, so they should be able to get whoever they want um, because the Panthers job is terrible because you have to work for David Tepper. Um, the commanders, maybe we'll see. Maybe that's a job that is maybe more appealing than others and the bears are keeping their head coach. So it's really basically the chargers or the commanders that are the top jobs. So, you know, the Chargers should be able to get their guy, whoever that guy is. Um, they're going to cast a wide net. And so we feel like the best way to cover that wide net is to talk about that wide net because they're not just going to zero in on Jim Harbaugh and have nothing else. Cause that's what the Broncos did. And then they zeroed in on Sean Payton and then they zeroed in on D'Amico Ryans and then they didn't have anybody else. So they got stuck. Not to say that Sean Payton's doing a bad job by any means or whatever, um, but the Broncos did not cast a wide net. They had three options and they got stuck with those the last of that option. So the Chargers are going to cast a wide net here on both sides, and I think we should talk about it that way. Yes. If we have an agenda for anything, it's not Ben Johnson, probably Bobby <laughs> Slowick. I think yeah. I think that would be technically more of like a Stephen-led agenda for something than anything else, and it's not an agenda. But yeah, I feel like that's someone we talk about more than others. But yeah, I don't know how I don't know how your second option can be the one you have an agenda for. But hey, fan yeah. is short for fanatic. Yeah, hundred percent. I I understand why people want Jim Harbaugh. I completely get it. I am fully on board with that. Um, but other than that, I'm not choosing other coaches with experience over Ben Johnson. Like it's just. You know, Dan Quinn has his issues. I know people out there love Bill Belichick. Extremely hard pass for me personally, um, but I, I get it. You know, I'm not taking him over Ben Johnson. I'm not taking Brian Flores over Ben Johnson. I, that's the second guy, I think. And that's 
not just me. If you listen to anybody who's covering the coaching cycle right now, it's yeah, we have Jim Harbaugh and then we have Ben Johnson right after that. It's not just Tyler and I, it's not just Arjun. It's whoever is covering this coaching cycle. Ben Johnson is objectively the top offensive candidate and he's the top candidate overall if Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan. If there was a candidate that was Dan Quinn, but offense or Brian Flores, but offense available that, that he'd he'd probably be over Ben Johnson for me. Like if there was another, I was a coach, I coach on offense. I've got a really good one right now. And I'm in line to be a head coach. That would be the person I'd probably have for Ben Johnson. Depends on what the, you know, the offense looks like. But if you've got Cowboys defense version of offense, an offensive head coach or candidate, that'd be my number two. They don't, there isn't one. There isn't one that I can think of. No, if there were like a Doug Peterson guy in this class, then sign me up 100%. Not Frank Reich currently, but like if Frank Reich before (laughs) the Panthers were in this cycle, I I think you could talk yourself into that that option as well. Um, I would still probably have Ben Johnson over post-indie Frank Reich, but there, there just aren't those guys around. You know, Jay Glazer was talking about um, Jed Fish and Cliff Kingsbury, who are currently coaching college teams. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury is not, you know, completely like a college guy right now. He's like an offensive consultant for USC. But that's where teams are at in terms of the hiring cycle of offense. They're going to Cliff Kingsbury. Let me say that again. Cliff Kingsbury and Jed Fish, who is doing a wonderful job at Arizona. But the offensive experienced head coach is not out there this year. It's Jim Harbaugh and nobody else. And Jim Harbaugh hasn't called plays for a decade. Oh, you're stopping there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's more. Um, I, I would also think, where is, is is Quinn still number three for you? Or where's McDonald at for you? Because it's hard to deny what the Ravens do week in, week out. On yeah, that man. Mike McDonald. But we just, we yeah. sort of did this, but yeah. We, we've talked about Mike McDonald. I think what he's done specifically over the last two weeks against the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins, who are objectively the top two offenses in the league, is really hard to ignore. Like, I think at worst for me, McDonald has moved into the tier of like Bobby Slowick and Frank Smith and Brian Callahan, like at worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. I still would be concerned about the potential coaching staff that he could put together and concerned about, again, doing a first-time head coach as the defensive coordinator role. Um, but it's it's impossible to ignore what he's doing. I mean, they, they didn't have Kyle Hamilton today. Um, Marlon Humphrey went out in the first quarter, and they mm-hmm. just took it to the Miami Dolphins offense. And so it's, it's hard not to be impressed with the way Mike McDonald is coaching that unit and what he's doing and getting out of that unit. Uh, on a week-to-week basis against the top offenses in the league. Um, I think it was um, Deontay Lee pointed out that he took one game plan against the 49ers and he took a different game plan against the Miami Dolphins. And they ran both of them at an elite level without their top safety, one of the best safe players in the league, without their top corner. So it's it's incredibly impressive, man. And you can talk about, like, you get Joe Hortiz as part of this too. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's a good way. So... McDonald has definitely moved up, but I still think it's fair to not put him in my second tier. Yeah, no, I would definitely put him in there. Uh, if he were as a candidate for any team, I think he'd be 100% third overall. Yeah. But for the specific, specifically for the charges, we're all looking for yeah. for offense here. Yeah. 
No, objectively, like if you are the commanders or if you are whoever, Mike McDonald is probably in your top three. Like, I think that's a fair thing to say. But for the Chargers, I still think I would lean Quinn because of the experience, because of the potential staff he could put together. So I, I still think yeah. that's a fair thing to say. Mm-hmm. Is there a coach out there who you feel is should be a okay if we just did this and we judge based on coaches who are doing a lot with a terrible roster or at least on their side of the ball who is that who is that candidate that stands out because i mean the ravens are talented the cowboys are talented the lions are talented sure so who Uh, who? of any coach that i've like research this year i think the one who is doing the most with the least amount of talent is drew petzing in arizona the offensive coordinator mm. um he's obviously the guy that joshua dobbs he had a couple games of uh what's that kids from houston clayton toon a few games with kyler murray i mean the, the the eagles are not the same eagles as last year but they took it to the eagles in philadelphia and they do some creative stuff i think drew petzing is a year away from being like the next ben johnson kind of candidate um, because he's a guy who's worked under Kevin Stefanski. He's obviously doing his own thing in, in Arizona right now. Um, Gary Kubiak is, is a big mentor of his. So I, I think uh, Drew Petzing is, is a guy who's doing the most with least. They're not an elite offense by any means, but he's definitely exceeded expectations there. I mean, they're, they're in every single game. Some of that is obviously what Gannon is doing as well, but you know, I've watched a little bit of, of the Cardinals on tape, and I've just been super impressed with what they do from a schematic standpoint. What he's doing with Trey McBride as his like best player um, is pretty impressive. So I think Drew Petzing is the guy that I've researched that's doing the mm-hmm. most with the worst supporting cast of players around him. What about Dave Canales or Can- how do you say his name? The yeah, Dave Bucks Canales is yeah the the Bucks uh, coordinator certainly deserves mention there. He's gotten career play out of. Uh, Geno Smith as the quarterback's coach. Um, and then we've seen what the Seahawks offense looks like this year without Canales um, working with Baker. But he still has he still has Tristan Wirfs and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and a bunch of other high-end players. So I think Canales is doing great. But I, like if you're talking about maximizing a, a poor roster, I, I would say Drew Petzing is doing a, a better job of that given what he's working mm-hmm. with there. Yeah, totally. Canales is also from... Carson, California. Oh, really? There's, I didn't know that. There's a little stadium that he used to, he used to play in. <laughs> See, that's the thing, man, is if if the Chargers were doing this next year and you had Ben Johnson, Petzine, and Canales all like very established, man, that would be a, a great group to to pull from. But right now it's basically Ben Johnson is the only high-end offensive guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So we talked about that for a little bit here. So we'll take questions for five-ish minutes maybe a little bit more we'll do some quick hitters so if you guys have anything you want to uh get off the uh, get off your chest feel free and do so we always appreciate super chats and uh i'm sure we'll take questions for for a little bit here the strangest end to a year for the chargers i can recall yeah this is like specifically a new year's day yeah. thing Chiefs still won the West, though. Same different year, same outcome. Even if it was uglier for them, I, I, I think they're going to be potentially one and done in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'll see who they go up against, and then they'll just take one of the really, really freaking good receivers in this draft <laughs> and and just torch the NFL next year. Unfortunately, yeah. or sign T Higgins or some shit. Yeah, 
Um, NSN, how long do you think it will take for the head coach to be hired, whoever it is? If it's Jim Harbaugh and they lose on Monday, they can hire Harbaugh essentially whenever. Um, the NFL coaches are not available to interview until during the divisional round of the playoffs. That was a change the NFL made this year. So uh, assuming that a usual coaching hire takes about like 10 days, you're talking about probably end of January. Yeah, unless they are like, here's our two. And yeah. so if we get either in the building, let's go. You know, if they want to interview some other the other coordinators, like a Dan Quinn, like a McDonald, like they're going to have to, you know, wait a bit longer. Um, and I don't how often do we get announcements of a head coach hire during the postseason for a, a, a coordinator who's on that team? Closer to the Super Bowl, maybe? It never feels like wild card it, or you know. I mean, the hirings aren't really able to be announced formally until after their season is over. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like we knew that the Cardinals were interested on in in John Gannon, like from the jump. Like that was kind of the guy that people identified for them. Um, same thing with Shane Steichen and Indy. But, you know, Shane Steichen's he was announced like literally like within 12 hours of the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we're getting some draft questions. How many are you at, by the way? Because I feel like you all of a sudden just had a great week of just getting through players. And yeah, I got to some some players this week. I uh, I think I'm at 11, 12. Nice. All right. Yeah. yeah. So I've uh, I've watched I watched the three offensive tackles. I watched uh, Olu Fashanu, Joe Alt, and J.C. Latham this week. Um, I watched. Uh, the center from Georgia, I forget his name, Van Pan. I forget. Um, so I watched, watched some more offensive line tape this week. JC Latham is basically like what you watch from Darnell Wright. That's who JC Latham is. So, <laughs> okay, like, I'll like him. Add 20 pounds on him, too. So he's a oh. player. Yeah, he's no big, kidding. Okay, we'll watch him. Um, Van Pran watched him solid, didn't like him as much as uh, no. Powers Johnson. Um, yeah. Not bad by any means, but I think there's a definitely a, a difference there. Um, one could maybe even sneak into the first round. One, I think, belongs on day two. Yeah, that's totally fair. I agree with that. Um, wanted to get to this comment. Vaughn Maduro. Eric Bieniemy was drafted by the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh played for the Chargers. They should be our first looks. Then Ben Johnson. Uh, what do you make of Bieniemy's case over the last three weeks? Has that changed at all for you? since we did our rankings a few weeks ago? I think he's sort of falls in the upper, not upper tier. He He's probably around Slowick for me, especially because you can consider the um, staff he could bring with him. You know, we're talking about general managers from the Chiefs, and there's a couple options there. So uh, not working with a ton in Washington, but I think if you're looking for an experienced play caller, play caller, offensive coordinator, I should say, and someone who has the associate head coach title in um, Washington, then, yeah, I think he should be up there. But the, really, the hang-up, I think, for you and I both is, one, the fact that the interviews have never materialized into anything for him at any point. Yeah. And two, I don't know if the Chargers are going to lead off with him or really take the interviews as seriously if they want a completely like clean history which is very difficult, I, I get, but like, there's enough things where I think the Chargers would just kind of be like, eh, I don't really know about that. 
And so to me, if we're looking about like charge, we're because we rank based on the Chargers fits. Yeah. And I don't think the Chargers are going to look at some of the things from the past. Not that they've been uh, unforgiving things, but I, I just don't know if that would move him up any any bit on the list. Yeah, I think also you have to take into consideration that he did interview with the Chargers in 2021 uh, and he was not somebody they felt the need to interview twice. So there is a previous track record here. They they probably know each other well enough to say that the enemy is probably not somebody that they're super interested in because it's not like a ton has changed from their perspective as an ownership group since 2021, since they interviewed him. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl last year. You know, the Chiefs did. But uh, it's not like it was a super clean offensive performance from wire to wire for the Chiefs last year. Certainly, they miss him in Kansas City. I think that is an objective fact at this point. But I just I think all of this is kind of baked in. So I think like if I were a team that needed like a new head coach and Eric Bieniemy were a candidate, I would probably have him higher. But the, for the Chargers, I just think there's enough there that the Chargers are probably not super interested in Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, and I don't think it's very difficult to sell. Hello, I am the new head coach. My offense was 22nd in the league in most categories. Right. Like, that's a very very difficult sell, even though he, it's not a ton he's working with. Uh, it's not like a great situation over there. You do it for another season. You start pushing that into that top 10. Let's say you get a quarterback and that quarterback really develops next year or whatever they do. Then you can have a much more serious conversation, which I know it's, it sounds like a lot for B enemy. And that's kind of been his thing. Everyone's quote unquote, moving the goalposts and trying to make him do like the, the next thing every single time he does that thing. But yeah, like that's just the way it is. Yeah um isabel opinions on parham being a scratch these past few games he is currently healthy uh gives me some that was asked about that this week uh but they've been rolling with three tight ends instead of four uh that's been a change under gift smith so what do you what do you make of donald parham being a healthy scratch uh very puzzling uh, initially i thought okay he was hurt or I, and he, i think he was but then the, the healthy scratch stuff has been a surprise uh, i don't know if you know uh, what's his name gift smith mentioned the wrist as something that had happened earlier in the season um, and honestly i thought that was bad when i saw it so for him to have come back great i don't know if there's still something within that wrist but sure I, I, it's 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 puzzling for sure and i think it would help you to have him out there so uh they've got like duggan active as an emergency quarterback over him you know i think it's just kind of all strange so uh yeah very very strange he's on the team next year in terms of contract i doubt they're cutting him because you can't you have nobody else <laughs> so i think you have to keep him um at least until you find out more from your draft so yeah i don't know it's a very strange situation yeah it's it's frustrating because when he's it has been on the field he's he's been you know had productive moments uh, i think he's certainly more trustworthy and productive than stone smart and what they've gotten out of him so it's it's a tad frustrating, but you know Donald Parham has not played well. It's uh, you know consistently as a blocker, um, he's been one of the you know just as bad as Trey McKitty was in my opinion as a blocker this year. So it's been frustrating season for him. Injuries, poor play. You know I'm not I don't begrudge them from him being a healthy scratch. See what you have in Stone Smart. I wish they would see what they have in other young guys more often. <laughs> yeah, get, get, go or go get Steven Anderson. Just give me a throwback final game. Just. Yeah. Steven Anderson, you know, Eckler for kicks, everyone who's, you know, have a yeah. blast. 
Uh, East Coast, 410 East Coast, with the Giants likely picking ahead of the Chargers, do you see them being a landing spot for neighbors, or do you see them going with a different position? So the Giants uh, are kind of creating some distance between them and the Chargers in terms of SOS, which is really unfortunate that Mason Crosby missed that kick today. Um, you know, so it, it seems like the Giants are probably picking ahead of the Chargers, um, you know, barring a, a real surprise win over the Eagles next week. Um, what do you make of the Giants and their spot? Because I think obviously they have Daniel Jones. They drafted Jalen Hyatt last year. Um, they drafted Evan Neal a couple of years ago. That's kind of been an, an objective disaster. So what do you make of the Giants being ahead of the Chargers, Tyler? I feel like depending on how they feel, the ownerships and people above him have felt about Brian Dable's job. Like it's time to go get Brian Dable, a quarterback. And now they, they spent a lot of money on Daniel Jones, hoping that he was the quarterback. He's not, uh, I appreciate what Tyrod Taylor has done. It's fun to watch, but he's, he's not the future DeVito that that was fun for two weeks. That's over. They got to go get a quarterback. And uh, I think that, you know, Daniel Jones, it'll be expensive to have him. We'll see. Maybe it's, um, Jaden Daniels and Daniel Jones has, if you know, got to play half the season or whatever, you know, I think Daniel Jones can make that work uh, for the amount of money he's being paid. Um, but then the, the giants have an out in 2025 in terms of Daniel Jones contract. So I think that, I think you go get a quarterback next year and you start building towards, you know, the future and kind of moving on from Daniel Jones, which has not really worked out. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I feel like Daniel or feel like Brian Dable would have a hard time rolling with the same status quo as this upcoming season or as, as mm-hmm. this current, like current season. Um, you get Jaden Daniels, and I think maybe you feel a little bit different about your future there. Um, FPS wanted to know, and this is a common question as well. What do you guys feel mm-hmm. about Daniel Jeremiah getting brought in as an assistant GM or, or full time GM? The, sort of what we talked about with Tej, which is being great at the draft is is great but there's an amount of randomness that is associated with that and even the teams that are great drafting teams are not perfect maybe they're 50 50 40 percent of their hits you got to have a lot of time and experience working with the other parts of football that are beyond the draft operations free agency contracts all that sort of stuff working with different staff like you got to be able to do those things too daniel jeremiah i'm sure well i'm sure he could draft really well let's say but the everything else that's lacking in terms of what he's done previously you know whether it's it's him or lewis uh, riddick or or whatever like you got to go find someone who's actually been in there done that done all the things understands everything it's just a bit different yeah it's i, I feel like it's very different um i don't think anybody doubts that dan jeremiah or lewis riddick have like an eye for talent i think that's objectively true but so much of being a GM in the NFL is, is the relationship you have with agents and the relationships that you have with your scouts and everybody like that. It's, it's such a, an important aspect of the, of the role that people kind of undersell it is your connections, your relationships, how you're able to hire a staff and put people around you. And I think being a, a smart talent evaluator does not automatically, you know, equate to being a high end GM. I mean, some of the best GMs in today's league right now are not even guys who have a background in scouting. You know, a lot of it is the management side, the business side, the analytical side, and then they hire smart people to do the draft. And I, I think that's kind of 
what Tyler is talking about is that the GM is it's the draft is one part. It's a very important part, but it's not the only part of things. And so Dale Jeremiah, I think could be a very good draft evaluator. He's done that in the past, but also he's, he's talked about this publicly. He's not really in the place of his life where he is interested in working in the front office. He has teenagers. He has young, uh, young children in elementary school, he wants to be a part of their lives. Like he does not want to take a job like being a GM because it's, it's 24, seven, 365. And he's not super interested in that right now. He's got a great gig with NFL network. Um, and I think he's very happy doing that. He's very happy doing the chargers games. Um, I just don't think he's super interested in making that jump right now. Lewis Riddick probably seems more interested in doing that, but uh, you know, that's a, that's probably a different question because Lewis's resume is a bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Worst time for a cough right there. It is all good. All right. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Uh, Happy 2023, everybody. Uh, At this time next week, when we'll be recording, it'll be 2024. So hopefully you have a great time celebrating tonight. Stay safe. Uh, Designate drive if you can. Um, You know, if if not, uh, don't go anywhere. So um, hopefully you have a great time celebrating though. Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? See you next year. (laughs) 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 Good job. Good job. That was nice. Good delivery there. Yeah. Um, All right, guys. So uh, that'll do it for us today. We'll have our usual show on the Chargers channel on Wednesday. um, And then we'll do our final regular season week next week, which is crazy. So hopefully you uh, have a great time. Tomorrow's New Year's Day. I think we want Michigan to win. If you want Harbaugh to be the Chargers head coach, so go blue, I guess. I can't even say that. Nope. (laughs) Nope. All right, man. Uh, Sounds good. So appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.